0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity, and I am your host, Eric Fisher. This week, I'm talking with Roger Whitney of the Retirement Answer Man podcast. This episode is a companion piece of sorts to go along with the episode on life planning that I did with Michael Hyatt, which is episode 126. You can find that at beyondthetodolist.com slash 126. Michael and I talked about macro and micro level planning in terms of planning on the big level stuff first and then zooming that back down into the everyday tasks and how that makes it much more manageable and actionable This episode ties into that macro and micro level and accompanies it in a perfect kind of way where it talks about planning for what kind of work you're going to do now, as well as what you're going to do in the future, as well as making the right sacrifices now and consistently laying bricks in the here and now, building for the future, not just in terms of money. Because that's what a lot of people think of when they hear the word retirement. But also in terms of what kind of life is it that you want to build starting now in the the way that you choose your actions now that builds that life into being a possibility and a reality in your future where you don't retire per se and put yourself on a shelf and put yourself away because you're done and used up, but that you create that life for future self, future you, <laughs> that is ready for you as you go. Roger and I have a really interesting and fun conversation all about this topic, and it's really illuminating. I know that if you liked the episode with Michael Hyatt recently, you will love this episode as a companion piece. Before we get to that conversation, I want to say thank you to FreshBooks for supporting this episode of Beyond the To Do List. If you've listened to podcasts at all, you may have heard of FreshBooks before. FreshBooks is a cloud accounting software that does many things in one. It does invoicing, expenses, time tracking, payments, reporting, which in fact fits right along with this episode. So, for example, with the invoicing, if you're a person who is doing freelance work or things on the side outside of a regular day job, or even if your regular day job does require you to send people invoices and you want to get paid – This is a great way to track that and make sure that you know they saw your invoice since you've sent it to them, that you can send payment reminders. You can even make those invoices reflect your brand with your own logo and color scheme. And it's really quick and easy to create one. Further tying into the conversation you're about to listen to is that FreshBooks is all about expense management and tracking your cash flow the income, the outgoing, and even organizing it so that it's easy to get to that data when you need it later. One of the cool little hacks that FreshBooks has that not a lot of people know about is that their mobile app lets you take pictures of receipts and then FreshBooks will organize that so that you have an expense report later and it makes claiming that stuff on your taxes easier when it comes time to look for all those receipts. One other cool piece that FreshBooks can do for you is it can do time tracking so that when it's time to create an invoice and send it to someone and, say, bill them for a certain amount of hours, you've already tracked it in FreshBooks. So it's right there where you create your invoice ready to be sent out. And the cool thing is that right now FreshBooks is actually offering a free month of unrestricted access to all my listeners and you don't need a credit card for the trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash to-do and enter to-do, T-O-D-O, in the How Did You Hear About Us section when you sign up. Again, that's freshbooks.com T-O-D-O and enter to-do, T-O-D-O, in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Thanks again to FreshBooks for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Enjoy this conversation. This week, it's my privilege to welcome a newcomer to the show. Welcome, Roger Whitney.
1: Hey, man, I have known you forever, and it's an <laughs> honor to be on the show, although you probably don't know who I am or <laughs> did for a while. I've known of you forever, too. No,
0: I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I've, I, I recognized your face instantly. In fact, you used to be a cartoon version of yourself. See, I Yeah, just, I sometimes do know. I am.
1: It depends on my feeling.
0: Yeah, so, but I knew you from mutual friends, and I just thought, you know what, this, this is one of those topics – The thing that you do is a thing that connects with what I talk about in the show, though most people right on face value would think, really? And I'm here to say, and you're here to say for that matter, yes, it has to do, it ties in with uh, a recent episode, in fact, that was kind of the pinnacle of this, which is this macro level view of life. I like to break it down like that where it's macro and micro, that macro is life planning which is the episode I'm referring to, which is with, with Michael Hyatt. Oh yeah. And then micro is once you've done the macro and you kind of have your big vision and you've got, you know, your plans, your goals, your aspirations, all that kind of stuff. And you've kind of worked through some of that. And then you drill back down into your day to day. You have a clear picture of what it is you need to be doing on a daily basis to make incremental change. You're back up at that macro level, because what you talk a lot about is financial planning for retirement, but it's not as some people would think, quote unquote, boring as just that. It's way better than that. So well, yeah, you're well, talking our, a lot about long term planning and aspirations and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, we're all our industry does its best to make it boring. That is for sure, <laughs> uh, which I battle with every day. And, you know, inspired by you, I may actually change the name of my podcast from the Retirement Answer Man to be on the investment portfolio. There
0: you go beyond the portfolio
1: beyond the portfolio because so much about financial planning and investment management is about managing assets and choosing the right investment vehicles and saving more and that's sort of your to-do list, right? That's mm-hmm. the things that you know you get caught up in the minutia of action steps that make you feel good and that you're taking control when like, you know, like Michael Hyatt talked about you You don't have a rudder. You're 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 on this current moving towards something, but you're not really navigating your course to get to a destination that you actually care about. And that's very true financially as well as in you know just general life planning.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean that's that's the thing. I mean if if you think about it, what Michael Hyatt is doing right now for quote unquote life planning with his new book. Stems a lot from, or, or actually, probably doesn't stem from it. Although it probably does because they're friends, but it it comes close to, in a life way, what uh, Dave Ramsey does on the financial side of things. Because I've gone through that. I don't know if you have. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of people have, and he talks all about that. And he's all, you know, he breaks it down into the, you know, hey, the sooner you start doing the stuff that you need to be doing, the sooner the stuff starts to align into place and you get rid of things that are hindering you, debt, obvi- the most obvious one, bad habits as well. You see, the, the, the language is semi-interchangeable. It's just what we're talking about, managing time, managing money, managing effort, resources, all those things. They're so connected. So, it, it, But it, it still all comes back to planning and priorities and aspirations and starting with the incremental stuff now because it compounds.
1: Oh, it it totally compounds. And unfortunately, you know, whether it's contributing to your 401k or going to the gym, if you skip a month or you skip a week, there really isn't any impact to your life, right? If Mm -hmm. I don't go to the gym today or if I eat those potatoes and chips that I probably will tonight, you know, it's not really going to impact my health. But the compounding effect over time could be monumental. So, we end up making decisions on, oh, if I don't go to the gym today, it's no big deal. I'll go tomorrow. And then you say the same thing tomorrow and the next day. And then you're looking at that heart attack or that high cholesterol or high blood pressure or whatever else it is that you're looking at. What I found with like financial planning, especially when we talk about retirement planning, now, what I'm not a big believer in the whole concept of retirement, but the way that it's framed for most individuals is that you need to tell me what year you're going to retire and what you're going to live on so I can put it into my calculator. And then I'll look at what assets you have, you know what, what, will, what will provide for this quote-unquote retirement that, you pl- that we've outlined. And then I'll basically show you how it's not possible unless you really start to sacrifice a lot of your life right now. By saving and investing even more than you can right now. But this is the way it's framed because it's approached as only an investing and saving issue. You know, that you have to build this massive amount of assets to take care of yourself when you're not going to work. So when you put in the numbers, and the numbers are really scary because we're living longer, we're spending more because we're more active than past generations. So the numbers just don't work if that number of what you're supposed to be saving, you're either going to suck it up and really sacrifice a lot of your life right now because you're so worried about being okay later on, or if you're not willing to do that, then the planner will say, well, okay, if you're not willing to do that, well, you're just going to have to settle for a lot less later on. So you know, the normal financial planning process sort of sticks you in or boxes you into either sacrifice your life right now, or be prepared to you know, settle for a heck of a lot less later on in life. So it's no wonder that most people don't do any financial planning because it's a very one-dimensional approach focused solely on investing rather than factoring in the multidimensional lives that we lead in terms of not just what we want to save and invest, but where we get our income from, how our lifestyle choices, our health choices, our relational choices, all of that stuff gets put into the mix, but it never really gets accounted for in the traditional way. And a lot of this came from when I was growing up, my mother, who was a single mother, and she worked her butt off. I mean, she sacrificed her life. I can remember in middle school, her going to law school. she we, we lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and she would take the train into Detroit to go to Wayne State University Law School and then tra- take the train back. So I was a latchkey kid because she, when she wasn't going into law school and working full time, she was reading law books. And then when she finally graduated, when she was like thirty nine from law school she would work like crazy. And when I was in college, we would have these big discussions about, you know, living for today. I was young. So I was like, oh, it's all about living for today. Forget the future. You have to seize the day. And she was all, no, we have to take care of our family. We have to invest for the future. I will enjoy my life later on in quote unquote retirement. Mm -hmm. So we would have these intellectual battles, you know, in college. And I'm sure I was a lot less equipped then than I am now. Well, in her, in her, situation what ended up happening was as i was i was the youngest as i was in college she contracted cancer and started battling cancer and, and remember the year the i graduated college i was doing an internship in dallas and flew back to spend the last 3 months and was actually with her when she passed at the age of 48 so when you look at my mom she sacrificed her entire life with the promise that she would be able to enjoy her life later on tomorrow. And that was robbed from her. It never happened, right? She died at 48. Right. Yeah. And that's a tragedy. And that's as much of a tragedy as someone that lives too too high on the hog today and then ends up settling for a lot less later on. So that's really influenced a lot of how I counsel clients. And what I talk about on my podcast is it's like a teeter-totter. We We're not on this treacherous journey towards retirement that we have to sacrifice our entire lives. And then when we get to the summit, we'll be happy. That's not what life is. It's not this journey up this mountain. It's really a, a journey, a hike where you're supposed to enjoy the entire journey along the way and balance that living well today and still feeling good about tomorrow which means we got to think a lot more than just about investments. A couple thoughts that
0: you just kind of sparked. First and foremost, I just kept thinking of there there's nothing wrong with making sacrifices in the here and now. In and of itself, it's if it's for the right reasons. Totally. And that's something we can't like, you know, I don't want to give the the listener the impression that no, it's you know, don't make sacrifices now. There's you know, that that's completely false because that's a lot of times it's necessary and you know, unfortunately things happen. I, I do think that, let's see here. So for example, my father, he, he passed, geez, I don't know how long ago now, but he didn't have retirement. And so my mother, you know, she didn't have anything. She didn't really get much from his passing. So she still, you know, works and does stuff. And so I don't know, it's, it's a, that balance that you were talking about, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it, that it, that it's, it's almost like we're setting ourselves up for the, the questions that, that quote-unquote, you usually routinely ask about, you know, well, what age do you want to retire and what do you want to live off of and that kind of thing, that, that it's almost like we're pl- – that traditionally it's been planned for as a, okay, let's put this stuff away so you can be in survival mode at that point.
1: Yeah, well, what does the word retire mean? I mean, it comes from, you know, to put away from useful life, right? It's useful life is spent up. Right. You retire something, you put it away, and it's now done. Yeah. So if you think of my grandfather, who was the World War II generation, flew in B 17s in the war, he got out of the war, started to raise his family, worked in a manufacturing facility in Detroit, Michigan for years, and then became a postman until he retired. When he retired in 1980, he was used up, right? So retirement for him was his pension and my grandmother and he moving to Florida and reading books and going to the blue light special. And that was life. He was used up and then he passed away about six or seven years later. That is the, you know, what traditional retirement was. You literally were used up. But now that the baby boomers are starting to retire, and then we're not even talking about the X and Y generation.
0: Or then what millennials it would look like. Yeah, exactly. geez,
1: I don't know. So you take a baby boomer today, when they retire at 60 or 65, they're more educated and more connected than any generation in history. They still have fire in the tank to experience things to do things, and that could be starting a business, it could be traveling, it could be loving on the grandkids. They are out and about and connected, and they're more than likely going to live until their late 80s or 90s. They are not ready to be what my grandfather was. But the financial planning process still focuses like it was my grandfather. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in my client base, the people that I walk life with, I don't really have clients that aren't doing something of use during retirement. They're not just golfing because there's only so much you can do. If you think about it, and this is my belief, and I think Michael Hyatt would probably uh, mirror this is it's really about you want to stay engaged socially, intellectually, you want to have purpose in your life and you want to be engaged in something going on. So That's how we should help people plan their lives, not in the old model that would have worked really well for my grandfather of you retire and then you don't do anything for the rest of your life.
0: I think that word purpose is the key there. I think that every time I've heard or thought about retirement in relation to my own life, I've always just thought, yeah, it's that vacation at the end of life before you die. And (laughs) as much as I would love to have a vacation, now and a, on a consistent basis, I just don't know that I'm going to want to sit around all day when I'm older without having something that I'm doing intentionally with a purpose that has some meaning still. And so I think that uh, that that is a very big shift. And, and we've even got people who are uh, – I'm trying to think – who are up there in their age though not – at the quote-unquote age of retirement that are still very active in the online space.
1: Um, well, Dan, look at some of our mutual like Dan friends. Dan Miller look, and people like Ken, that. Ken Davis and right. Dan Miller, who, who they're yeah. old to sin if they're listening. I'm telling you. That right <laughs> I now. know
0: that Dan Miller listens. So,
1: <laughs> but they are, And he looks great, by the way. Oh, he does. And they are – he's more alive than anyone I've ever Oh, met. I know. It's a curiosity, and that's a great example of uh, what we're talking about here. And, and and one thing that wasn't available to my grandparents' generation that's available to boomers is the ability to work more on your own terms. Yes, that. that's, a, that's an
0: excellent point. Keep, elaborate on that yeah. because I think the, the whole knowledge work thing was not really an option until the last, I don't know, decade or two now.
1: Well, let me address it two ways because it is a yeah. knowledge-based economy. So one way could be, you you know when you retire, quote unquote retire. We'll just use that word. Just keep I, using oh, it and know people. It's got a. It's a very yeah. meaning word. You know, so if you're say an executive, you are more highly skilled, more trained than you've ever been in your life, and very often, and I've seen this happen where someone will retire and the company will hire them right back as a freelance to do freelance work more on their own terms because that wisdom that they've accumulated, not the knowledge, the knowledge is there, but it's the wisdom that learned from screwing it up so much is really valuable. So that, you know, there's an example where you can work freelance and, you know, whether that's remotely or on assignment that people can explore. Now on the other end of the spectrum, let's say you're not an executive, you're blue collar. I have a great story of a lady that uh, I worked with a long time ago who loved to sew and she never really worked a lot outside the house, but she loved to sew. And she had a uh, a nephew who ran a management company for buildings. And he had a, a flag that was ripped. You know, in Texas here, it's very windy. So she had a, he had a flag that was ripped, so she sewed it. She mended the flag for him. And you, you, what ended up from that one flag, what evolved was a part-time, on-her-own job where she made about $70,000 a year mending flags. And the reason is he happened to be the property manager for a lot of different buildings. And you know what? You start to add up the number of flags that are outside a building, four or five, three or four, and then you start to add up all the buildings in Dallas-Fort Worth. That's a lot of buildings, and that's a lot of flags, and there's a lot of wind. But I think that's one of those dimensions that gets lost in normal life planning or retirement planning is it's not just about saving and investing. It's, okay, how can I generate sources of income, but more on my own terms? So like when I survey my audience from my podcast and I ask them what retirement means to them, the two words that are far and above everyone else is freedom and independence. So I think that's a lot of what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So, people are, you know, are are probably have identified with at least one or two or three of the mindsets. I don't know how many we've listed, but just (laughs) these different perspectives on the word retirement and what we've been describing and talking about so far here. But I want to start to dig in a little bit and say, all right, well, no matter what your perspective is, and hopefully it's a healthy one or you're thinking about it and you're maybe thinking about changing your perspective on on what it is, how do we, from this point forward, start to figure out a different way of making the proper sacrifices now that are built upon, that building our character is a constant thing in our life, in our professional life, our personal life, financial life, that we don't sabotage the here and now for the future and vice versa.
1: That is a great question. <laughs> so let's just see if we can. <laughs> that. Yeah, no, I'm not going to say I have the answer, but I'll, I'll, I'll come to the answer that I've 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 worked through over my 25 years. And it, it's a little bit there's a couple elements to it. Number one is we have to get out, especially in the financial world, we have to get out of looking for the guru that can figure it all out. You know, in the finance industry, you know, it's it's a very a very highbrow industry. You got French cuffs, you got very intelligent looking people with amazing pedigrees, which is very impressive. But when we listen to these strategists or these, these market commentators, really when what what what's attracting is, is that they have some view of what is going to happen in the future, right? What is gonna zig and what is gonna zag. And that's very attractive because it's very uncomfortable for us to feel uncertain about things. The problem is as attractive as that is, fundamentally the future is unknowable and regardless of your pedigree you're just guessing yeah so you know and 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 we have to really accept the fact that the future is fundamental. Fundamentally unknowable. And we're not just talking about the markets or the economy, but it's fundamentally unknowable in our life. So Eric, as your life unfolds, it's going to zig and zag in ways that you have no clue about right now. You know, like Michael Hyatt talks about, you can have a rudder and direct yourself, but when a gale comes or whatever nautical thing we want to talk about that pushes you off course, there's really not a lot you can do about it. So rather than spend all of our time trying to figure out the next 5, 10, 20 years, we want to make some reasonable assumptions of, you know, like Michael Hogg talks about, what are the things that we care about? Who do we want to be? What do we want to be remembered for? But we need to start bringing that back to make sure that we're having lots of little conversations to make adjustments as our life unfolds. Because not only will these Forces outside of ourselves act upon us, but what we actually care about and who we are is going to change over time as well. I joke about it like i 've been married twenty five years and i 've been married to probably five different women. My <laughs> wife is not the same lady that she was when we were married, and nor am I the same man we have evolved and our priorities have changed through our life experience and through circumstance. And it's going to be the same way going forward. So we want to make sure that we have something in place to account for that. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. So step one is let's stop spending all this intellectual and emotional capital on trying to figure it all out because it's a waste of time and it avoids really what the big issue is. So what do we do if we can't figure it all out? Well, the the second thing that we need to... realizes if we really it's not getting rid of uncertainty it's how do we build a framework to manage uncertainty as our life unfolds and so usually the way i explain that and you said i could just talk so i'm going to talk and oh, go Shabella, for it I'm is
0: listening.
1: i always ask now are you married eric yes yeah okay so how long have you been married
0: oh gosh you'd have to ask me on the space <laughs> like that. uh this is 20 it's always based on the year Uh, This is 2016, so it's coming up on 14 years.
1: Okay. So if I asked you, what is the secret to a good marriage, what would you say? I'm going to go with communication. Very good. That's awesome. You get an A+. Thank you. So I I say it a little bit more pragmatically. For me, 25 years, I never want to have a big conversation with my wife. That's communication in said a different way, meaning that if there's an issue – I want it to be addressed as quickly as possible because then we can deal with it and it doesn't grow whether it's resentment or whatever emotions can get wrapped around it. Make sense? Totally. So like a good example is I talked about something on my podcast recently that annoyed me about my wife. I mean, it wasn't anything negative, but I was using it to that's tell a
0: story. An, that, let me just say, that's an interesting podcast right there. It it wasn't very
1: <laughs> smart. It wasn't very smart. So feeling real good about myself because I, I, I weave this good lesson in this story about something that annoyed me about my wife and how it made me appreciate her. I was down in the kitchen. And I was like, hey, honey, guess what? I talked about you in my podcast. She said, oh, really? What did you talk about? And then I told her and she's like, you did not. And I'm like, and then she walked away. And I'm like, well, I guess, you know, I'm a little bit more transparent than she is. And then she came back maybe 15 minutes later and she just said, with a loving face, please don't do that again. And she I was like, okay, I won't. But that was a little conversation. Yes. She could have just allowed that to fester and be of annoyance and taken, out a, taken it out of me passive-aggressively. But we had a little conversation. She let me know something to annoy her, and we corrected course together. Well, it's the same way in our financial lives. Is Rather than try to figure it out, really we're just trying to manage uncertainty. So what little conversations do we need to have to – make sure we're making little adjustments along the way so we can balance living well today without sacrificing tomorrow. Because, and you talked about that balance, you know, it's sort of like a teeter-totter or a seesaw, right? On one end is living as well as you can today, which we all want to do. And on the other end is taking care of tomorrow. Well, if you ever tried to balance on a seesaw with a buddy, it's sort of wobbly all the time, right? You're never in perfect balance. And that's a lot about how those decisions are. So that's why you have to have lots of little conversations so you can make those little adjustments as life unfolds. So the next question is, if that's if that's how we're going to do this and create this life that we really don't want to retire from, create this amazing life that Michael Hyatt talks about is, what conversations do we need to have? And this is where you start to get down to the to-do list, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I like this because as I've heard many a guest say, and I've adopted myself, it's just this idea that you can't just say, okay, this is my system from this point forward or this is my routine and then just think it's going to work forever. There's too many times in life where things change. Life changes. You change. And all with all that fluidity internally and externally, at some point here, you can't just say, okay, this is the way it is from this point forward forever and ever for most things in life. And so, you, yeah, you have, to have a lot of, you have to have a lot of those little conversations with yourself even.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, a, a real a real world example is say a husband and a wife that say they're just going to retire in the house that they raised their kids in, and that will be that, and they just sort of plan that that's always the case, and then they never talk about it. And I've had this type of conversations before, or encountered these. Well, their kids move out; they, you know, a few of them move to other states, and then they start to have grandkids, and so they go visit the grandkids more periodically as they get closer to retirement. Well, in the wife's mind, I got to be near my grandbabies, but that's never communicated. And the mm-hmm. husband is, we're living in this house until, until we die because that's right. what we always talked about. And then they get to retirement and he retires and they're like, okay, honey, we're living in this house. Like we always said we would. And she's like, no, we're moving to Kentucky because that's where my grandbabies are. <laughs> Those are the ways that our priorities can change, right? So what conversations should we have? Well, Michael Hyatt talks a lot about, okay, what do I want to be remembered about? What is my purpose in life? And then how do I get there? The first is we have to dream up what our ideal life is. You know, what are those aspirations? What are those basic needs that we need to have from a financial perspective to live a lifestyle? I mean, what are the wants that we want on top of those needs? So Mm -hmm. if you think of the needs as the base of the dish, you know, your wants are going to be like the salt, you know, the normal spices of life. And then what are those aspirational wishes that we want? And that's like bringing out the big spice rack. We need to have some definition of what that is. That's the first conversation. And you want to have those periodically so you you can identify changes as you're dreaming about them, not when you're ready to make them happen. And you want to do that in a systematic way. And then the second conversation that you want to have is about your cash flow. So this is very much like running a business, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. You want to know what revenue sources you have coming in now, what you're earning, right, Eric? But when you and and your wife are talking, you're also looking at, okay, what revenue potential do we have in other areas? You know, in terms of a new business or a side business or a promotion or a lateral or, or, or upward move at a different company. You're always noodling on those things to try to better your cash flow situation. And you're also controlling your expenses, which is that horrible word, budgeting. Most people spend all the time on the budgeting aspect. You know, when you're thinking about cash flow, most people spend 90% of the time talking about adjusting their cable bill. And a good friend of mine, Paula Pant, I, I stole, totally stole this phrase from her, is there's only so much frugaling you can do, right? There's yeah, only yeah. – you, you really can't move the dial there rather than – you want to make sure you control your lifestyle, but really where you want to spend a lot of time in this conversation are is how can I improve my revenue or income to the family? Not just now, but in the future and in ways that might give me more freedom from a schedule-wise. And there's a lot of things you can do if you're forward-thinking about that. So that's the second conversation that you want to be having systematically. The third conversation is the balance sheet conversation. And these sound sort of boring, but they're really not. If you do it, it really makes it much more meaningful. Rather than just look at your balance sheet, which is your net worth statement, which is basically all of your assets on one side, all of your liabilities on another side, is from the framework of what we see for our life you know, in the one, three, and five-year time frame, and what our cash flow situation is, Are we alloc- is our balance sheet allocated to help us move that direction? And if that purpose for our life has adjusted or adjusted course a little bit, is there anything that we need to adjust course in our cash flow or in our balance sheet to make sure we're fully aligned? And those are the three main conversations that you want to have. And then you just want to have them over and over and over again. So. You're always finding as, be- as good a balance as you can between today and tomorrow. And sometimes it'll be a little bit of out of balance. And you talked about that, Eric, of maybe you need to sacrifice a little bit more right now because you have something you care about a little bit more right on the horizon. But it's much more of a dynamic and fluid process than just simply let's figure out the net present value of what it's going to be like when you retire. And that's how you create a great life and live that journey. And that just never ends.
0: Yeah, it's it's an ongoing process uh, till the day you die. <laughs> as as non morbid as I would make that out to be.
1: Yeah, in a simple way, it's you're focusing on the things you can actually influence and control, and right. really minimizing how much you're dwelling about things you have no control over.
0: Yeah, one of the other things that I, 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 there are different, definitely different uh, styles in terms of. When I've heard people talk about you know budgeting things like that, where it's like, okay, well, I'm not really a great budget person, <laughs> but, but the spouse is, and vice versa. And some people are thinking, yeah, I, I don't really want to. I mean, I get it; it's good to have those little conversations, and I get that lesson. However, I don't want to have to have it too often, or I'll go crazy because it'll stress me out. And I would almost say that having it often, I mean, there's there's probably a, a a frequency that makes sense. But, of course, there's a little conversation to be had about that as well between <laughs> the, two, the two people to decide what that frequency even is. And I would even say if you're not doing it at all, then how do you know what that frequency is? Maybe, maybe do it once a week. Maybe it's once a month. Maybe it's once a quarter. But until you are doing it on any kind of inconsistency, you don't know which way to move the dial.
1: Exactly, and I am. You're talking to a finance guy that absolutely abhors budgeting, (laughs) and I don't keep a budget in my household, which is a whole another conversation.
0: That's that's insanely interesting to me.
1: But I, I capture free. You know, if you think about budgeting, the end goal is not to make sure you don't overspend in your grocery category, right? That's not the end goal. It doesn't matter what category. The end goal is to make sure that you capture the excess income so you can do something more meaningful with it than flit it away, right? right that right. excess income is really free cash flow. And that's the end goal. So there's a, a, a simple way of going about that, and I can give you a PDF that shows you how I do it, uh, where you don't have to have the normal budgeting category category conversation but still capture that free cash flow.
0: Okay yeah and I, and I think that you know I, I still like i I like what we've been doing my wife and I we've been doing this for well almost a year now when we've had a pretty decent budget and i and the categories and all that kind of stuff because I like seeing, oh, in this category, we spent this much this month on I don't know, restaurants for example, and then to say the the previous month, hey look, we spent more that month, but we spent less this month, and that <laughs> makes me feel good and to kind of have a
1: pulse. On well, it, you, you hit a really areas, good point, so. then, Eric, because that—that's who you are, so it resonates exactly. So
0: not, yes, and that's what—that's what works for us. There's
1: different styles of doing it, though. Exactly, and I, I think the key is to find that whatever your style is, have a style so you can capture that free cash flow, and that's great that it works for you. Whereas yeah. for me, I'd go mad because I don't want to be a bookkeeper, <laughs> but some people like that detail.
0: Yeah, well, and I—and I, and I guess it's just it, for the most part, it's marking. For the most part, it's marking what's been spent, and making sure that we know what it is. So we're not, uh, you know, so that the so that the latte tax doesn't creep in. in you <laughs> because we're monitoring it, there so we know. You know, it's not that it's not that we deprive ourselves, but we also say, hey, this is a more busy month when it comes to you know, say there's a dentist bill or this or that, and so we know, and we know to. Make the appropriate sacrifices. Look, I tied it back in. There you go. (laughs) Well, you've got so much more to talk about on this subject, but I'd love to direct people over to your show so that they can continue this
1: ongoing conversation. Where can people find you online? Well, I have the Retirement Answer Man podcast, uh, which I do uh, every week, and we noodle on how to be happier, how to... Understand financial terms so you can be more empowered and then how to create a life that you really don't want to retire from. And then I blog at rogerwhitney.com and I have a a learning center there that has worksheets on how to budget if you hate budgeting and how to create a net worth statement and how to have all these little conversations that we talked about.
0: Awesome. Well, I will link those up in the show notes. Head on over to beyondthetodolist.com, and you'll see Roger's face there. Or just type Roger Whitney in the sidebar. You'll find it quickly. And, Roger, thanks so much for being on the show. This was awesome, Eric. Thank you so much, man. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. I hope you found that conversation illuminating and perspective-changing I know that I really had a great time talking with Roger and it made me think about things in terms of the goals that I have set for now and the future and it melds right into the whole life planning process. Speaking of hitting those goals... Make sure to go to freshbooks.com slash T-O-D-O and enter T-O-D-O in the how did you hear about us section to get access to FreshBooks for 30 days. Take advantage of their invoicing, cash flow tracking, and time tracking features to monitor the incoming and outgoing funds in your life and business so that you can achieve your goals. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash T-O-D-O and enter T-O-D-O in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get that free 30 days of access to FreshBooks to try it out. No credit card required, which is always awesome. Thanks again to FreshBooks for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. And thanks again to you, the listener.